as you take your seat, why don't you wave at somebody, let them know what's up, give them a little smize, a little faraway smize. Awesome, guys. Well, uh, if you came in late, um, you might have missed this announcement, but just to clarify, uh, after this weekend, as a church, uh, we have made a decision to close down all in-person services because of the dramatic increase we've seen in people getting infected with COVID-19. And so, again, this is a safety measure. Uh, by the grace of God, no one here has gotten sick because of being here, and, and that's awesome. And I, you know, I, I thank God because you guys did everything we asked you to do. And so this isn't like a punishment because you were sitting too close together or stuff like that. Um, this is just something that we're doing preemptively because what we don't want to do is wait for an outbreak, is wait for people to get sick, wait for people to get in the hospital, and God forbid somebody to lose their life that we know. And so we're going to do that. A number of churches are doing that. And so I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, uh, it's not my desire. I'm, I'm bummed by it. Um, I, obviously, I agree with the decision. But if you ask me, would I rather be with you or not be with you? I'd always rather be with you. Um, I love you guys. I love hanging out with you guys. You guys make me feel young. You guys make me excited. And this is the greatest job in the world. And so uh, I want to keep doing this. So here's a couple of things I want to make sure you understand. Number one, if any of you at any time need to talk, I'm available. All you got to do, you got me on social media. I'm on all the different platforms there, uh, Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, whatever you want. Reach out to me, and if you need some one-on-one -on -one time, if stuff's going on and you need to counsel through it, if you just want to chat and, and catch up, we could set up a Zoom call and, and we can have an opportunity. And honestly, it would bless my heart to be able to know you're doing okay. So I'm opening that up to all of you guys, students. If, if you at any point feel like I need somebody to talk to, please understand you are not bothering me. It is literally my job to do that, and I'm happy to do that job. And so if at any point, if you're feeling depressed, anxious, if you're bored, if you want to get your butt kicked in 2K, whatever, hit me up. I will gladly embarrass you. Let me know. Okay, PJoy85 is my tag on PS5 if you guys got it. Um, so just holler at your boy, but I want to make sure you understand that. And then I also want you to understand that in life, there's a lot of things that feel like they're just so outside of your control. But really, life is made up of choices. A series of choices accumulate to make up your life. Every day you make choices. Every aspect of your life is a matter of choice. Now, again, sometimes as teenagers, we don't feel like we have a choice, but even that is a choice. You could choose to obey, you could choose to disobey, right? There's consequences to choices, but you still made a choice. We all have choices, and choices are being made on a regular basis, even when you don't realize you made a choice, right? You made a choice to wake up, you made a choice to get out of bed. Some of you are like, no, my mom made me get out of bed. Well, you chose to listen or you chose to get hit. Like, you made the choice, right? Like, we all make choices. You make a choice to brush your teeth. Hopefully, God willing, please, I hope you did. Some of you are like, yo, I wear masks now. I ain't got to brush my teeth no more. Nobody can smell it. Um, you made a choice to eat. You made a choice to drink something. You made a choice to come here tonight. You made a choice uh, on the words that you speak. You make choices on what you look at online. You make a choice on who you text or text back. Some of you are really shady with your text. It takes you, you know, 45 days to text somebody back. We all saw you read it. We all know that you saw what we text you, especially when the leaders are texting you. Like, you leave all my leaders on red, and that is annoying, but hey, that's you, right? You made a choice. We all make choices. And again, I get it. There are plenty of things in life 
that you have no control over, right? You, you can't control when this virus is going to end. I wish we could. You can't control what other people do or how other people treat you. You can't control when the schools are going to physically open up. There's just so much that are outside of your control. And when things are outside of your control, you often feel helpless. You often feel frustrated. You often feel angry because you feel like you don't have control. But I need you to understand that you can't control what happens to you, but you do have control on how you react to everything. You have control on how you react to the things that happen to you. This is something that if you really understood, it would greatly empower you and future decisions. You have to understand that choices are made every day. And if you're not conscious of it, sometimes they end up being made on default. You don't think about it. You don't plan it. You don't consider it. Next thing you wonder, how did I end up in this situation where you made a series of poor choices that you never thought about? If you learn to think of choices, you can avoid mega consequences. It's not like overnight people end up in bad marriages. It's they made a series of choices that led them to where they are. And it's not even that the spouse is bad. Sometimes it's themselves. They made a series of choices in their own personal life. It's not like people wake up and just end up on the street homeless. It's a series of choices. Sometimes it's not even choices they made. It's choices that were made for them. But it's a series of choices that end up leading them to a place they never wanted to be. And all I'm saying is if you can begin to understand the power of your choices, if you can begin to understand that there is a certain level of control on what you choose to do, maybe we can avoid some levels of depression. Maybe we can avoid some levels of isolation. Maybe we can control what happens in the midst of this quarantine. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, break down three areas that I am hoping you can learn to choose tonight. If you have your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18 says this. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you and Christ Jesus. Keep that up for a second if you don't mind, just right there. <clears throat> Throughout the years, whether you're a teenager or you're an old person, one of the most existential questions that I've heard on and on and on from people as a pastor is what's God's will for my life? Like, what does God want for me? What is God's will for my life? And oftentimes, when we're asking that question, we're asking about, like, what college am I supposed to go to? What career am I supposed to end up with? What person am I supposed to date? You know, we want to know all these things. But here's a really good answer. If you want to know what God's will for your life is, it's to rejoice, to pray continually, and to give thanks. Well, well how does that affect all the other choices? Well, we're going to see. Because I think if you can learn to follow God in these three areas, if you can learn to choose wisely in these three areas, it'll manifest in a lot of other parts of your life. If you're taking notes, let's look at the first thing, where it says choose to rejoice. Choose to rejoice. I love that word rejoice because it, it kind of gives you the illustration that your joy has either been lost or is low, and so you need to refill, right? Rejoice is similar to a refilling. But I need you to understand something when it comes to the word joy. Because joy, although similar to happiness, is very different. Happiness is almost 100% contingent on what happens to you. Happiness is a reactionary emotion to what happened. If a good thing happens, I am happy. If a bad thing happens, I am not happy. It's reactionary. 
has very little to do with the incest. So you have no control over happiness. It has everything to do. That's why when people, like when you're depressed and when you're sad, and they're like, hey, just be happy. You're like, oh, didn't think of that. Right? It's like, why are you telling me to be, if I could just be happy, I would. I'm not happy. Like, my dog died. My sister's ugly. I got all these things going on. Help me. <laughs> Right? And so it's frustrating when people tell you just be happy. And I think that's why the Bible doesn't say, hey, be happy. It says rejoice. Because joy, it feels the same sometimes as happiness, but it's rooted in how you choose to act toward what happens to you. It's how you choose to act. I can find joy in pain. I can rejoice in life even when it rips me apart. I can find joy because joy is rooted in my relationship with Christ. The joy of the Lord is my strength, right? It is a transfer that I get from my relationship with God. So when I choose to rejoice, essentially what I'm saying is I am choosing to refill. And think about it like this. When you got to refill gas in a car, you don't just put your finger in the gas tank and be like, come on, fill up. <laughs> right? You don't just magically whisper something. You have to go physically to a gas station Right? And you have to transfer gas from the pump to your car. Well, when you are rejoicing, you got to go back to the source of where joy comes from. And so in order to rejoice, whenever your joy is low, whenever you're starting to feel into that slump, it is your spirit reminding you, hey, we got to get back to God. We got to get back to the source. Now, listen, that doesn't mean get back into this room. That doesn't mean get back to listening to Pastor Joy, although please listen to me on Thursday nights because when I record them sermons, y'all don't know how bummed I am when I'm watching it by myself, and I'm like, I wish somebody else would watch it with me right now. I put a lot of work into this thing. Like, I'm not an insecure man, but y'all making me insecure sometimes. But again, it's not for me, right? Like, you have an opportunity to tap into it. Rejoicing is getting back into the presence of God. It's taking time to say, you know what? I haven't read my Bible. I haven't prayed. I haven't worshiped God. I haven't sought his presence. I haven't thought about him. Usually, almost always in my life, when I'm starting to feel funny, when I'm starting to feel a certain type of way, when I'm starting to get bummed out, when I'm starting to get caught in my feelings, when I'm starting to struggle with some of these things, when I'm getting irritated with people, it is almost always the gas tank, the gas light on my car saying, hey, you need to rejoice, you're getting low. You haven't spent time in the presence of God, Joey. It's always a big flashing light. Man, I need to get to God's feet. I need you to know this because over the next several weeks, since we're not going to be meeting together, that light might be flashing on some of you guys. And the problem is just like a lot of people with their cars, they want to drive as, as close as they can get to E for as long as they can. I'm just going to keep doing this until, hey, I'm good. And if you don't keep track of that tank, you're going to end up stranded. There was one time I was driving Pastor Carlos to a district event that we had a big meeting and we're driving through the cornfields in Illinois, and I'm driving his car, and we're talking, and I'm not paying attention to the gas tank at all. Next thing I know, poof, 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 poof. oh, crap, I stranded pastor in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and so literally, I'm like, oh, dude, this has never happened to me. I'm so sorry. Your car's out of gas. <laughs> and we had to wait for a tow truck to come, which, by the way, this is not how they should have done it. But all they did is they brought the truck on a big, uh, like on a flatbed. And with us in it, and we rode in the car on top. I'm like, this is not safe, Pastor. And they towed us to a gas station where we could refill with gas. If you're not paying attention to the spiritual tank in your life, don't be shocked when one day you feel like the presence of God is gone. Because you got to go and 
refill. You got to go and find the joy of the Lord. You got to rejoice. You can fake happiness, but you can choose joy. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. See how rejoicing is the beginning of your heart getting filled with love. Now in the middle, there's problems, there's trials, there's endurance trials, there's uh, developing of strength. There's a lot of difficulty that happens. But when you choose to get rejoice, when you choose to rejoice in the beginning, it'll lead you to the hope that we have in Christ. So what is that telling you? That means between rejoicing and the hope, there's a lot of drama. And how do you get through that drama? Your joy tank is full. And because you filled that tank, even though craziness is happening all around you, you can endure it. Because on the inside, you're full. Though the outside is wearing away, as the Bible says, on the inside, we are being renewed day in and day out. Going on with Romans chapter 15, verse 13, says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy. Right? There's the tank. Will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. He doesn't fill you with joy because you've earned it or deserve it. It's because you trusted in him. And if you trust in God, God will fill you. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the key to it, right? When you are full of joy and you allow the joy of the Lord to fill you up, he doesn't fill you up to the brim. He fills you up to overflow. What does that mean? That overflow spills over. And it spills over onto your family. And it spills over onto your friendships. And it spills over onto each other. So that when you get on a Zoom call or you're reaching out to each other and you're checking out on each other, that overflow of joy is going to help fill somebody else's tank and remind them that they need to get back into the presence of God. It's important that as we isolate, you don't isolate. And here's what I mean by that. As we have social distance, as we quarantine, it's important that you don't disappear. Because if you're full of joy, that joy has an opportunity to overflow in other people. So when we do those Zoom calls on Friday... For small groups, I know some of you are like, I just don't like those. It's not always about you. Because if you're doing good spiritually, maybe you can help somebody else that night. Maybe somebody else needs a little bit of that joy, and they need to be around you. You ever been around somebody that always makes you feel better? Like just being around them? You ever been around somebody who's always negative? Like you don't want to be near them. But when you're around somebody that's constantly filled with joy, that constantly has the presence of God, that constantly has this good attitude, you're like, man, I just, I can't wait to hang out with that person. Why? Because I always feel better after being near them. You got to be able to choose joy. And then the second thing he goes into is you got to choose to keep praying. You got to choose to keep praying. Here's the problem we have with prayer is that if the results aren't as instant as a Google search, we stop. Think about this. Think about how long you're willing to wait for a page to upload on a Google search before you either refresh or stop caring. Right? Literally seconds. Like, I mean, so I thought about this the other day when I'm, I'm of that generation that grew up with the internet, like before there was internet and after there was internet. And I remember when I was a kid and we had to download a song on LimeWire or whatever illegal thing we used back in the day, it would take, like it would tell you like, 
this will take 37 days. It's like, oh my God. This will take, like we would leave it on overnight and then the next day hopefully one of the songs downloaded. Like you get things instantaneously. And the problem is when so many things are instantaneous, on demand, available, when you want it, how you want it, and then God doesn't operate like that, it gets hard to wait on God. See, because God, he can do things instantaneously, but oftentimes he chooses to wait. He chooses to take his time. You have to be willing to continue to pray, even if the prayer isn't answered immediately. I think that's often why we stop praying, because we prayed once, it didn't happen, and then we move on. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says this, Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Keep on praying. What if the answer is on the other side of the next prayer? But you give up too soon. I, I mentioned, you know, so graciously, that I, I got a new PS5. Well, that was a gift from my wife. Uh, it's my Christmas present. The day of the pre-release, my wife stayed up for four hours in the middle of the night refreshing her tablet trying to purchase a PS5 from Best Buy. I kid you not, I lean over. I see that she's still awake. I saw this light. I was sleeping. I lean over. She is knocked out with her finger on the checkout button. And I go, babe, babe. Just go to sleep. It's not that important. She goes, no, no. And she stayed up all night until after four hours, it went through the payment. And she had to buy it from a Best Buy in Vernon Hills about an hour away. Why did she do all that? Because she loves me. And she said, I want you to, you never asked for anything, Joe. I want you to have this. So I'm going to make sure I get it for you. And then she sold these like little trinkets online so that, um, you know, she could raise the money herself to buy it for me. You know what? What she did meant more than the actual counsel because it was her heart in that. How long are you willing to wait on the Lord because of how much you love him? How long are you willing to wait in prayer? How long are you willing to wait on an answer before you throw your hands up and move on? Listen, something's got to keep on praying. Some things you just got to keep waiting on and trusting in God. For whatever answer. Listen, the answers aren't always going to be what you want either. You know, after four hours, she might have not gone through. And I wouldn't have been mad at her. I would have been like, you know what, I appreciate what you did. Oftentimes in our prayer life, it's not about getting an answer that we want. It's just about getting an answer. Sometimes God's going to say no to you. Sometimes God's going to say not right now. And sometimes God's going to say yes. But if you don't wait, you'll never get the answer. We got to learn to keep on praying. During this time as we go away, I hope that you would keep on praying. Pray for me. Pray for my wife, my daughter. Pray that we're safe. Pray that we don't get sick. Pray for your leaders. A lot of your leaders are struggling just the same way you are. Some more. Some of them aren't able to work and, and they got to provide for themselves. Some of them aren't able to do school the way they'd like to. Some of them are going through some real financial issues. They won't tell you this because they love you and they don't want to put that burden on you, but I want to put the burden of prayer on you. You should be praying for your leaders, the people who spend all this time trying to get to know you, trying to talk to you. Take the time and intercede for them. Fight for them. Love them enough to intercede and ask God to bless them and help them and provide for them and, and make sure that they're doing physically, emotionally, and spiritually okay. Keep on praying. And then the third thing is this. 
you got to choose to be thankful. Right? Going back to that verse, what does it say? It says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Giving thanks is easy when it's a good circumstance. When you give me what I want, thank you. When you give me something I love, thank you. You ever, you know, Christmas is coming up. You ever got a bogus gift from somebody? Like, it's just like, why would you even give me this? This is stupid. You ever felt like that? But you know you're not supposed to say that because it's like a gift. Maybe it's like this weird aunt that you never talked to who got you like this toy that was a perfect gift when you were three. And you're like, yo, I'm 17. Like, why are you giving me this? You know, and so sometimes we get dumb gifts. And I listen, I've gotten plenty of stuff where I'm like, ooh, what is that? Like, like especially clothes, it's like, that's not going to fit me. Uh, people have no idea what size I am sometimes. And so they give you this gift, but you still show gratitude, right? Why? Because you're not rude, but because at least they gave you something. They meant something. And so a lot of times we're, we're good at giving thanks when we like what we're getting, but when we're in difficult situations, when we feel like you don't deserve our thankfulness, we withhold it. Listen to me. Choosing to complain is easy. Everybody can do that, and most people do. Everyone complains about their situation. I'm tired of being at home. I'm, I'm sick of not being able to hang out with my friends. Being with my family all day is so annoying. This COVID thing is so dumb. I, I always laugh when people complain about COVID, like that's going to make it go away. Oh, stupid COVID, go away. Uh, it's like, oh, that worked. Like, it's all over the news. 13-year-old tweeted, go away, and it went away. It's like, oh, my God, that's all it took. Right? Like, people act like complaining helps. Complaining doesn't help anybody. As a matter of fact, it's more annoying. Anyone can complain. But it takes real work to have gratitude in the midst of times where you don't feel too grateful for things. It takes a lot when everything seems to be going wrong, to find the small things that are going right and to make sure that your heart fixates on the things that you're grateful for instead of drifting on to the things that you don't care for. Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 through 17. It says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks through him to God the Father. What is it saying? It's saying in any situation you find yourself in, make sure that you're grateful. Again, we can find all the reasons we're mad, right? Uh, oh, I'm, I'm locked inside all day long. You know what, though, God? I thank you that as the weather is getting colder, I have a warm home to sleep in. I have a warm bed to lay my head in. Oh, you know, my, my brother, sister's always in my room. Thank you, I got a room. Thank you, I have family. Thank you, I got a brother and sister to play with. Like, anybody can find the bad things. Even during this whole season, I've been grateful. I said, God, thank you that I've been quarantined with my daughter and that I can have this quality one-on-one -on -one time that I wouldn't have had if we, everything wasn't shut down. That my daughter glows and my luck that we've bonded in ways that I could have never imagined we bonded simply because I am present with her every day. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I can spend time with my wife, that I can love on her, that I can help her raise our child in probably the most difficult time when, when neither of us know how to raise a kid. 
I'm grateful that my parents live upstairs and they have their granddaughter to play with and we've kind of quarantined together and, and the food has been great because mama could still throw down. I'm grateful that there are times when I come home after doing a bunch of stuff or all day I'm inside working and there's food to eat. Like These seem like dumb things to be grateful for, but if you could add up the things you're grateful for, you'll find out that they far exceed the things that you're complaining about. And your attitude begins to shift. Your perspective begins to change. The way you look at things begins to adapt. No one wants to be around a complainer. Nobody likes a Debbie Downer. It's like, you're so annoying. Get away from me. For me personally, I can't do it. Like if you're a complainer, if you're constantly complaining, you'll find out that I won't hang out with you too much. Because you become a bear on me. Like it becomes a weight on me. And it's like, just get off me. Life's hard enough than to carry your stuff around. We got to be willing to understand that in spite of all the bad that's going on, there's a lot of good that's still happening. God, thank you that there's a number of vaccines that look like they're close to coming out. God, thank you that even though we can't do Thanksgiving like we normally do, I get to eat every day. I get to drink water every day when places in this country and this world don't have that same luxury. What kind of testimony will you have if you're constantly complaining? Why would anybody want to love or know your God if you don't seem pleased with him? Why would anybody want a relationship with your Jesus if apparently he doesn't do anything for you? If you're always complaining, then obviously your life sucks. And if your life sucks, I don't want that life. And so we have to understand that part of this, that's why he says, do it as a representative of the Lord. We represent Jesus on this earth. We are ambassadors of who he is. And if we're constantly complaining, nobody wants to be a part of that. What will people think of your faith if it's never shown because it's overshadowed by complaining? But imagine if in any situation you found things to be grateful for. Imagine if whatever situation pops up, you have an opportunity to go, wow, but this is awesome. Uh, you know, thinking of Christmas, uh, you ever see like Jimmy Fallon where they do those bogus Christmas presents, or Jimmy Kimmel, where the parents give their kids these crappy little Christmas presents. And if you watch those videos, there's a few kids, the, the, the brats, that are like really angry and like throwing stuff at their parents. And, and like there's this part of you, this deep inside where it goes, I just want to slap that kid. You know what I'm talking about? Like you see, I'm like, oh, if that was my kid. And then there's the kid who you give them the gag gift. Like there was that one kid who got a banana, remember? And he goes, a banana, yay! And he was so happy to get a banana. And I'm like, that's so awesome. Why? Because he was just grateful he got a banana. Some of you, you're going to be mad at mom and dad because they didn't get you a PS5 because they couldn't drop $500 on a new console because mom and dad are laid off right now. Listen, mom and dad, I'm grateful that I get to be with you in Christmas. Hey, I'm grateful that, that we just can be together. I'm grateful that you're healthy and I'm healthy. Like, There's so many things in the midst of all this that we can stop and go, hey, listen, I don't want to be a complainer because that's too easy. I want to look for the good things in life, and I want to show gratitude for it. Worship team, if you can help me out. <coughs> With uh, our young adults, we've been having a Bible study on Sunday nights, and we've been reading through the book of Genesis, just chapter by chapter going through the book of Genesis. And whenever I go through Genesis with somebody, inevitably there's a number of questions that come up. And one of the questions that usually comes up, especially in Genesis chapter 2 
and 3, when you see the fall of humanity, when Adam and Eve eat from the tree that they're not supposed to eat from, and sin enters into the world as a result, somebody always asks, well, why would God put the tree there? Doesn't that set Adam and Eve up to fail? They would have never eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil if it wasn't there. So it's not really Adam and Eve's fault, it's God's fault. To which I reply, the tree has to be there. Because the tree is representative of choice. The greatest gift that God has given us is free will. You have a choice to love God or to ignore God. To trust God or to doubt God. To believe there is a God or to not believe there is a God. All of that is your choice. Now, like I said in the beginning, every choice will have its consequences, but you are still responsible for your choice. So if you don't believe a God and you die one day and you wake up and you're standing before God, and you're like, whoa, whoa, I just, I didn't think that was real. What's God's going to say? Yeah, but you still knew you had your chance. Now, if you're right and I die and nothing happens, then nothing happens. I don't lose anything. But if I'm right, and you die without a relationship with God, then you won't have one in the next life, which means you don't go upstairs, you go downstairs. God gave us freedom of choice when he put that tree, and he still gives us freedom of choice today. God gives us the freedom to choose so that our love for him is genuine as his love for us is, so that we can't blame God for our circumstances we have a gift to make choices. The question is, what will you choose? It's too easy to blame your difficult family life, the stuff that you went through, the people around. It's just, you still got to choose. And you have a choice, just like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had a choice between life and death. Death was the tree. Life was obeying God. You and I to this day still have the same choice. As a matter of fact, if you have your Bibles, look at Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 through 19. It says, now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land that are, uh, you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death between blessings and curses, now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose a life so that you and your descendants might live. Here the author of Deuteronomy is drawing a line in the sand. And he's saying the choice is yours. And I'm thinking about that as I was praying and considering what to talk to you about tonight. And here's the thing. Over the next several weeks and months before we can open up again, some of you will come back and others of you will be lost. Some of you will continue to grow in your relationship with God and some of you will choose to fall away. And the important thing to understand 
is it's nobody's fault but your own. You have the power of choice. So choose today. Don't wait for next week. No one's guaranteed that. Think about that. At this rate, 2,000 people in the United States a day are dying of COVID-19. Nobody has tomorrow promised. So choose today who you will serve. Choose life. And I love how he ends it because he's pretty strict as he's saying all this, right? He's saying, listen, if you choose right, this is going to happen. If you choose wrong, this is what's going to happen. But oh, how I wish you choose life. How I hope you choose life. Stand with me as we get ready to close. In a moment, I want to pray for the believers in this room. But I'm going to ask you for the next few minutes if you could just bow your head and close your eyes. Because I want to talk for a second to those of you in this room. You can keep the lights up a little bit. I'm sorry. That helps. I want to talk to those of you in this room who have never made a choice to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Again, no, nobody has promised tomorrow. So tonight, I want to give you that opportunity to choose life. That doesn't mean that you're suddenly going to become you know, the super Christian or that you're choosing a religion, uh, I'm offering you a relationship with Jesus Christ. One that will begin today and will grow day by day. The question is, do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe that he died for your sins and my sins and resurrected three days later to conquer death once and for all so that you and I could have a relationship with him and one day be with him in paradise? If you believe enough to say yes, then all I want to ask is that you simply raise your hand so that I can include you in this prayer of salvation. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if there's anyone in this room who's never made that decision, or maybe you have, but honestly, you've chosen the opposite lately, and you want to make sure that you get right with God tonight. If there's anyone here just right now, lift up your hand so I know who you are, and if not, we'll pray for the rest. Thanks, bro. Anyone else? Say, that's me, Pastor. I want to choose life tonight. Awesome. Let me pray for that person. Heavenly Father, you saw that hand that was raised. God, I thank you that tonight they were able to recognize that they need you more than anything. And Lord, I pray that tonight, as they have chosen life, you would give them that life, God. I pray that you would come into their lives, that you would be their God, that you would forgive them of their sins, and that you would set them on a right path toward righteousness, God. And Lord, in the midst of this, we pray on behalf of everyone in this room. God, I know it's difficult. I know none of us want to have to shut this down. None of us want to, to be quarantined. We would all love for everything to get back to normal. But God, this is the new normal. This is the reality of what we live in. And the reality is that in the midst of all of this, you are there, God. So, Lord, I pray that no matter what happens, we would continue to draw near to you, God. We would grow in our relationship with you. We would take the initiative to read our Bible, to, to pray, to worship you, to spend time with you, to get in your presence and be present with you. God, I pray that we choose you above all other things above our own laziness, above our own insecurities, above our own doubts, God. Help us to choose you, Lord, just like you chose us. God, when you hung on that cross and died for our sins, you made a choice, 
And the Bible says that it was for the joy set before you. It was because you saw our face and you chose and said you are worth it. So God, I pray that we would look at you now and choose and say you are worth it. You are worth living for. You are worth talking to. You are worth reading about. You are worth spending time with. You are worth watching a sermon about. You are worth growing into. Lord, we pray for this ministry that you would keep it in your hands, God, that you would keep it intact in the time that we're not able to meet physically, God. I pray that you would be in the midst of us as we meet digitally, as we continue to minister the gospel, God, and that you would be there, Lord. God, we thank you. And tonight we choose you, just like so long ago you chose us. And we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And listen, I want to close with just reminding you tomorrow, uh, we need you all here helping us out, getting everything ready for the event that we're going to have this Saturday. And I'm telling you, if you haven't been able to be a part of one of our outreaches, uh, you have no idea how in empowering and how blessed you might feel on the other side of that. It's so exciting to be able to know that we're making a difference in our community, that we're helping people who need help, and that we're doing our part. So I want to encourage you, be here Friday. And for whatever reason you can't be here, just remember on Saturday, we need you all here in the parking lot or in the foyer at 11. We'll give you guys all the instructions, and we will be opening up uh, the giveaway at 12 to 2. So if you know anybody, uh, if you can share it on Facebook, our post, so that people are aware of what's going on, we are, we're hoping to see over 500 people come through. And so we want to praise God for that. We want to make sure that if we're going to have to shut down, let's shut down in a big way. Amen? God bless you guys. I love you. Make sure you call your rides and try to stay socially distant after this. Don't be like, oh, well, they shut it down anyways. Spread the COVID. That's not what we're doing. So let's make sure we keep our distance, keep our masks on. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow.